from the studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's time for the 46th edition of The Other Kind Radio. Today is Sunday, March 11, 2019. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast that takes bits of pop culture and then organically packages it so it can be delivered to your auditory system. For those of you that are label readers, just a quick note. The Other Kind Radio is low-calorie non-GMO, pet-friendly, gluten-free, and known to deliver, you know, a laugh or two. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd is your other host who will join us shortly. Uh, I believe he's in Dallas right now firing up his studio as we speak. Uh, If you're a returning listener, then welcome back. We thank you for your loyalty and support. Without you, Talk Radio would just be a a rather expensive solution for Todd and I just to talk to each other every week. So welcome back and thank you. If this is your first time listening to The Other Kind Radio, then welcome to part seven of 80 uh, of our series uh, devoted to the sport known as underwater basket weaving. Uh, On today's episode, we'll explore if uh, breathing really necessary. I'm just kidding. It's really part eight. Uh, (laughs) Okay, now that I've uh, thoroughly confused any new listener, um, let's just uh, let that kind listener, that new kind listener, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And now that I've taken complete advantage of my power as a podcaster, let's reel things back and get uh, the responsible half of the show, uh, responsible half on the show, of the show, the other part of the show that is responsible. I'm talking about my co-host. This is recorded live, folks. Um, you know, and I realized uh, we are on our 46th show, and, you know, a lot of people may not know a lot about my co-host. So uh, just real quick, he's an avid film connoisseur. He's a scriptwriter, movie maker, published author, accomplished songwriter, and music performer, and all around, an all-around renaissance man. Please welcome... Uh, my co-host, Todd. Can we go through that again? I'd never heard that before, and you made me sound really good. You're an avid film connoisseur, script writer, movie maker, <laughs> published author, accomplished songwriter, and music performer, and all-around renaissance man. So, in other words, let me translate for the kind listener. That translates to, I'm another person that has tried a lot of things you've never heard of. Right. So... You know what? Thank you, Jeff. That was really nicely said. You made me feel like I've actually done some things with my life. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, I'm all excited because I I found out that the software um, that we use to record the show has a uh, hard limiter and a single band compressor built in. And I'm noticing that, um, yeah, it's not working. Uh, I'm still hitting the valleys and peaks that I normally do. So... Hmm. Thank you for... Well, thanks a lot, Software Maker. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Software Maker. I still have to go back through and fix all my pops and puffs as we go along. Um, And we won't say who your uh, Software Maker is. You know, we'll just allude to the fact that people used to do huts with it. Right. Thanks, Bob. Um, How was your week? 
You know, my week was good. This was a crazy week for us because it's leading up to spring break with a teenager. She Ooh. shot the first of her uh, state archery tournaments this this week, and her team out of 19 teams that participated in the state of Texas, they came in second. Mm. So we, we had a good week. It was it, it was a good week, but I'll tell you, when you have those kind of weeks, you're glad when it's time to put them behind you. Let's move on. Move on. How was your week, Jeffrey? Um, My week was good. We got a lot of snow. We had another edition of Snowmageddon here in uh, Omaha. Uh, And I'm getting ready for a a business trip to San Antonio uh, at the beginning of next week. So um, that'll be fun, going down to San Antonio for a quick trip, uh, planes and flying around. Uh, You said we had to record at a particular time today because you had a vet trip. Is everything okay with the – you have like is it six or seven dogs? How many how many dogs do you have? Sixteen. Sixteen dogs. I was off. We have two dogs. We have a, a beagle and we have a golden retriever basset hound mix. So the so who had to go in? Was it both of them or just one of them? Both of them had to go because it is teeth cleaning time. The golden retriever basset hound's getting old enough that the vet said, you know what? His teeth look really good. There's no reason to bother this dog. The beagle, on the other hand, is a mess. And um <laughs> Uh, we we have to take her back in to get her teeth clean, but um, it really was one of those little vet visits. The beagle has allergies, so she got a shot. Oh, we also boy. got a little fat shamed because she's a little overweight. So fat shaming, you know, we hear about that with all the celebrities. It occurs even for your dog. You know, she's a little bit overweight. <laughs> now, as her parents, you have to be responsible and take care of that for her because she can't do it for herself. Can you, baby? Can right, you? Right. Well, no crap. They can't do it for themselves. And thank you for making me feel so stupid. Well, I mean, come on now. They should have share some of the responsibility. I mean, if you put a bag of potato chips down in front of a dog, they should know, you know, just a couple's enough. They don't need to have to eat the whole damn bag. Well, I, I did have to rat on the beagle that the, the big dog who's getting older decided this week a couple of times, you know, I'm just not going to eat. And he's a big dog. Oh. There's a lot of food. And whenever he goes, you see the little beagle kind of look around the corner like, yeah. is he going to leave all that there? And she ran over and ate his full bowl of food and also with hers. And I was like, that's why you're fat, dude. Bonus days are back. So do you mind disclosing to the kind listener the name of your dogs? Sure. The beagle is Lucy. And the golden retriever best hound is Jake. So those are not movie related at all. I, I have tried. I have tried. For oh, Orson. you got overruled. Orson. Uh, would be every good. time I ever say that, they're like, no. Right. So if you named your dog Orson, it would be like this masterful young pup. But then when I got old, it would start doing commercials for Bottles and James. That's right. It would start drinking wine and you know yeah. sit around and tell over overly land, outlandish tales of, of I, their accomplishments. I think you should get a dog that gets to have a, a film name. I'm going to start working on. I'm going to start a petition. We're going to get something in front of your wife and your daughter. I think you should get a Luke Skywalker or a, a Killer Tomato or or you know something in there for for your next dog that you get to throw, throw in a, a pop culture or a movie reference. So two things I'll say to that, and I'll say them quickly. Number one, my wife and daughter like you right now. Um, <laughs> that might change if you do that. And secondly, you know, when we were, uh, we're, we're one of those couples that famously, instead of having that, you fight, you fight, you fight to have a child. We had a child easily at first and never could do it again. Hmm. Um, my wife did tell me at one point, you know, if we ever have a son, I'm going to name him Luke because she had met a little boy named Luke oh. and thought he was cute. And I said, okay, so. Of the things you can't do to me in this world, <laughs> you cannot name my child Luke because everybody in the world will be going, oh, it's because he's a Star oh, Wars geek. Right. I said, you can't do it. You or cannot cool, do cool it. Cool Hand Luke. 
Yeah. And his that, trick that would be just wouldn't work. going around and eating a bunch of eggs. I think it was 32 eggs you tried to yeah. eat, eat in that movie. Well, I bet he stunk afterwards. Plus, you already know a Luke. So there you go. That's that taken. is true. Yeah. And he showed you how to play Fortnite. He did. And I forgot. So last question on the dogs. Do, do you ever hear them on the way back from the vet shit talking each other like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what's up, fatty? <laughs> Well, it's up, Fatty. Well, you know oh, wait, what? My teeth oh, wait, are clean. Me, yours aren't. Let me see it this way. Right? You get it? Because I got no teeth. you get teeth? fat from? What were you doing? Out eating dog poop in the backyard? Hey. Hey, I'm a toothless dog. I'm a good dog. <laughs> no, you know, That's it's horrible. funny you asked that. I, I really thought you were going to be very literal about what we hear. The, the Jake is the older dog. Uh-huh. As he's gotten older, and he's a big dog. He's just under 100 pounds. When he barks, it sounds like a cannon we've heard him on the well, show he's gotten to the point that he won't stop barking and so all the way home is <laughs> and it's like oh my god and so i told you i had a headache that's probably why i have a headache today <laughs> so he is he is he's trash talking the other dog uh-huh. yeah yeah just just when the beagles just like oh god well if anyone that has beagles you'll you know that beagles tend to howl instead of, it's uh, more of a, oh, oh, oh. so when the two of them get going i just officially leave the house uh, professional Foley artist right here. Let me add hey. that to your list of uh, of accomplishments. Yes, please do. All right. Well, that's good. I'm glad the vet goes away. It can always be a little uh, a little hair raising, no pun intended, when you take uh, your pets to the vet. Do they know when they're going? Have you seen you seen the videos on YouTube and stuff where they're you know, like as soon as the dog recognizes the vet office, it starts freaking out. Yeah, I've had dogs that were like that before, or animals that were like, I don't like this place. These two, hey, let's go. Woohoo. <laughs> and they go nuts. It's like they're seeing all their favorite people. Hey, Sheila, how you doing, babe? You're looking good. And walking down the hall and right. getting on the scale. Hey, you know what? I'm looking good. Right. And sure enough, that's when the fat talk yeah. starts. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, we'll try a new thing. Thank you for that. Thank you for that update. We're going to try a new thing here for the kind listener. Uh, you know, we're always trying to switch things up. But so, Todd, you tell us this time what's going to be on this week's show. So this week, we're going to do a segment called Notable Notes. Namely in that, and I can't wait to get this one, it's Mr. Spielberg versus Netflix, HBO, and the future of cinema. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about it because after we mentioned it slightly last week, that has been ruminating in my little gut of just, yeah, I'm going to get this out. So we got, a, wait to talk we got about a couple that. emails too about that as well. Yeah. So uh, we're also going to, you know, and, and let me tell the kind listener, I, I know I get the title of co-host and all the things that Jeff calls me, but really I'm just talent and Jeff runs the show. So when I call the following segment, know that Jeff is making me say this because I really don't know what it means when it says bunny making television forecast. <laughs> so I'm not real sure what our theme is here, especially because I've just watched the Michael Jackson documentary where I'm really a nerd. So bunny making, I'm like, ooh, what is this? Please tell me it's not something gross. I believe we tweeted earlier this week that we were uh, bracing ourselves to watch Leaving Neverland. And then after watching it, um, I, I'm sorry, Twitter, Twitter followers, but I, I just I didn't have anything I could follow up with. I, I just I'm not gonna, not gonna touch that. That was uh, difficult. And as as we were saying in the pre-production, there's a little fallout from it. There's some radio stations are pulling us songs, and a few other things are happening. But 
Yeah, um, I'll say quickly. Watch it. It's very well made. Yes. It's long. It is very uncomfortable. It's, I'm not going to lie to you. Oof. It's uncomfortable. It's it's yeah yeah. And then uh, you know I I, I liked how uh, to shift gears not too quickly here, but uh, how you said I'm just the I'm just the talent. I can just see you doing a, a promotion for yourself. Just saying, some of you may think of me as an accomplished screenwriter, <laughs> musician, <laughs> film. Wine connoisseur, wine peddler. But when it gets down to it, ladies and gentlemen, this is just all 100% talent. The problem is, is you know what I really wanted to say, and I thought the kind of listener won't get it, but you and I being in production long enough, how many times have we referred to talent as the meat? Right. Whoa. I never have. Oh, you're full of crap. I don't. You've Listen, never heard them called that? No, 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 no. In fact, to, to pull uh, the work uh, IRL into it, uh, we were doing a, an event that involved a, let's just say, a major, major, major company. Um, mm-hmm. And the project manager in the room referred to their president as a talking head. And I got a frantic radio call that I needed to come down to XYZ Ballroom ASAP. Um and let's also throw into the mix that the president was not of a English uh, speaking skill. So I was <laughs> trying to explain. And unfortunately, when I get panicked, uh, <laughs> I try and explain with my hands. <laughs> so I'm trying to explain talking ahead to the interpreter to tell the president that it's a professional term and in no way derogatory. And they're both just looking at me like, why is he moving his hands around? But I've never called them meat, and that just may be because um, I never know where the client is. They could be right over my shoulder. So, so I think that there's a fair distinction between what you and I do. We're both in a very similar field, but I don't really interact with the people that much. Um, and I will say this: the talent people that I've known, and, and you know, no way does that derogatory. It's not as derogatory as it says, but you get those kind of people that are like, yeah. "Hey, bring the meat on set." And it's yeah. like, yeah. You know, okay, <clears throat> so and, you know. I can totally see where people get their feelings hurt of that. But I will say this. I've worked with so many people in that profession that are just, in fact, one, uh, John McKay just retired here in Dallas. And you want to talk about a person that doesn't deserve the moniker of meat, but could be. (laughs) Holy crap. That dude is seriously professional. So uh, switching gears again. Oh, my God. Here we go. Um, So thank you. Right. To me for just uh, when we're ready and you want to launch your cologne. We not only have the ad campaign, campaign, ca- ad campaign, which is the whole, we could shoot it like the Obsession commercials, like Kevin Klein that are in black and white, and do like a slow shot that's like starts at your feet and starts moving up. And it's, you know, some, some, some see me as a film connoisseur, others as a talented musician. And then, you know, all your accolades, and then when it gets to your face, that's when you turn and say, but really, I'm just all talent. And then cut to bottle of cologne that's got to look something close to Stetson. That's that the, the cologne's called Talent. <laughs> Talent by Todd. And then, you know, end shot. There you go. Talent. So I'd like to clarify for the <laughs> kind listener that. Right. While I started with all these different monikers <laughs> and I became the talent. Truly, in Jeff's eyes, I'm just the meat. No, no. And then we'll start. And I'm like, also the punchline. We'll start, we'll start an ad campaign. You don't need talent to wear talent. And then another catchphrase would be like, mm, you smell good. What is that? It's my talent. It's good. I got it. See, I, don't want, I, I, I want to do the counter ad campaign <laughs> where my cologne is called meat. 
and basically Lady Gaga's there in her meat dress, there and you it's go. you know we we all smell like rotted meat. Yeah, and now I'll have to point out you're the one that keeps pronouncing her name the other way, but Lady Gaga. Yeah, she hates that. Oh well, when next time she and I go out together, I'll apologize all to right. her. Well, we we need a cleanser after that, so let's uh, let's cleanse. Ah, yes. Okay, so we're going. You said we're going to have notable notes. That's the first one. And Notable Notes is basically um, just a few things that happened this past week that I thought would be kind of interesting to talk to. Um, I think Notable Notes is actually a category, a category um, that they use on Saturday Night Live when they are doing their, uh, uh, their parody of Jeopardy. Okay. And, and for those of you who may or may not have heard this week, um, Alex Trebek made a short YouTube video in which he announced that he has stage four pancreatic cancer, which I believe is like it's the cancer of cancers. Um, have you seen this this video on YouTube? I did. I saw snippets of it. Yeah. But I mean, the minute you hear stage four, you think of someone like Steve Jobs that famously it just it just blows you away. Right. It, it's a hor- horrible, horrible thing to have to battle. Unlike Steve Jobs, I think Alex Trebek is actually going to go to a doctor and try and get some 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 true true, true. healing. Um, and and two things: one that was very sad to hear. Second of all, seventy eight. I would have never pe- pegged him at seventy eight. Yeah. Uh, but the reason why I'm bringing this up on on uh, the other kind of radio is his. His video, and for those of you who have a chance, go to YouTube and, and search it out. First of all, he he does this first amazing thing in his statement, and he says, "For he goes for fifty thousand Americans, including myself, uh, or or annually there was something about annually there are fifty uh, along with fifty thousand Americans. I have also been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So the first thing I liked there was he he didn't do a me me me." He's grouping himself with 50,000 other Americans that get diagnosed with this horrible cancer. Right. Then he goes into a bit about he's going to fight it. He knows that the odds are not that great, but he's going to beat this cancer. And then he gives the reason, which is that he has three years, three years left on his contract with Jeopardy, which I thought the way he said it was very funny and meant as a joke, meaning that his, you know, his, his dedication to jeopardy means he has to beat this. So he used a little hands, a little, um, humor there to deal with it, uh, as well. So I, I just thought he did a fantastic job and I was very sad to hear that because there's a guy that's been, uh, on television for years and years and years, and you don't hear him about, abusing power or doing anything nefarious now of course that i've said that there'll be some report that'll come out but um all kidding aside just from what i understand a very classy guy does good things and uh sorry to hear that news and i i do hope he gets uh gets well gets healed and uh, continues on uh doing what he likes to do 78 and he's still rocking these shows out i mean wow yeah, and he's kept himself in good health. I mean, seemingly to his appearance, right? Right. And then I saw today. Apparently, he's married to a younger woman. And the the sad thing of it was is that in his his release that I saw this morning was, I just wish I had met my wife sooner in my life than I did. Uh, yeah. So you can hear the finality that he knows this is going to be a hard battle, and that he loves this woman to the point that he just wished. Fine, if that's the end, why couldn't I've had her earlier? And. That's a sad realization that many of us have when life actually tells us how we're going to die. Those of us who hit a, a, the, the actual plane where it's you don't know it's coming, it's there. That's one thing. And, and that's kind of what happened also this week 
with Luke Perry. Yeah. Just out of the blue, we received the, the, the news that he had suffered a massive stroke and then passed away a few days later. Yes. And so for- at least at least Alex has the ability to look upon it and reflect on his life. Luke, right. it seems to have been sudden and swift. And, and and when I heard about Luke, I, I had a little bit of guilt uh, that passed over me because when we did, uh, and for those kind listeners and new listeners that want to go back, we did a review early, early on uh, his latest show, which was uh, Riverdale. And I, th- I don't know if we mentioned on the show, but, you know, when he came on screen during Riverdale, I just remember going like, come on, like, you know. <laughs> Like, didn't you have enough? We saw you enough on 90210, you know, really? You know, but he's just an actor trying to do his career. So immediately I remembered that I either had communicated that, said that on the show, or at least thought it and felt guilty. But 52, I mean, wow. You know, and- that hurts because I'm 52. And when I heard that, I thought, are you kidding? Right. You know, you, you might hear heart attacks and things like that. You don't usually hear massive stroke at 52. Yeah. And. I at least respected the guy. I never loved him as an actor. I mean, I, I watched maybe one episode of 90210. It just wasn't my kind of thing. But then I saw him in the original film of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, kind of angsty. I get it. Yeah. And I thought, you know, not to contrast you, I think the, the casting on Riverdale was pretty smart because they time and time again sure. put people back from our era, which would have been who we watched at that time and made them the parents of Molly Ringwald, things like that, Absolutely. Ski Ulrich, putting them in. And I thought, you know, he did a very good beyond serviceable job. I didn't, you know, I didn't think he was astonishing as an actor, but right. I thought he was solid. And by all accounts, you want to talk about, you know, how you said with Alex Trebek that he was a solid guy in in remembrance, the people that have come out saying what a kind, loving spirit Luke was, that he was taking care of people, always there to mentor and to take to to put them on the right path. Yeah. And uh Shannon Doherty, who, you know, also from 90210 and faced her own, I believe, cancer scare, saying that he was right beside her all yeah. the time and that they had recently reconnected life just for whatever reasons took them apart. I mean, death is death is that weird thing that we, none of, we all know it's there and we want to act like it's not. But I wish that it didn't have to occur for me to hear what a good person he was. Right. I wish I'd heard these things long before that. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you're right. I mean, the guilt too was also I remember when 9021 came out, and he was introduced on the show. He looked like a young rebel without a cause. He looked like a young James Dean. James Dean. Uh and uh, yeah, you know, again, and you have those thoughts, and you think like, why am I hating on Luke Perry because he's he's on you know Riverdale and he's having what guttural weird you know part of my brain is like going wah wah. It's like, hey man, he's just an actor trying to get some work. He's not hurting anybody. He's not out there doing some of the things that we hear about other people. So, so I don't know why it was, but again, I heard that he had passed and immediately felt guilty. So I'm sure when my time comes, that'll be one of the things that tip the scale for one or the other. Like, oh, you know, you did pretty good most of your life, but then there's this Luke Perry thing. And um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the one thing that they are going to take you to task when you're gone, Jeff, is, hey, man, you knocked Luke Perry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not, you're not, you know, whatever afterlife you believe in, right. you ain't going there, brother, because right. you knocked Luke Perry. Right, Luke Perry will be standing over there, just like kind of looking at me, like, "What's up now? Yeah, where's your you're mic? Get the uh, where's prices your... right? Wah, 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 wah. Right. Wah. Where's your fancy podcast now? Um, <laughs> all, all kidding aside, sorry to hear uh, that we lost him, and and um, you know, hopefully, um, 
his family and everything will be okay after his uh, his passing. So, Luke Perry, thank you for Beverly Hills 90210 and, um, and for Riverdale. Um, and I think they even uh, – Riverdale went – they did some some stuff on YouTube or, or their Instagrams or whatever, and we're paying tribute to him. So he'll be missed. Yeah, I heard that too. <clears throat> All right, so uh, we'll shift gears a little bit and um, <clears throat> go, get get back kind of to a little rewind of a subject that we have kind of touched on a couple times. And um, there are those that are kind listeners that we will mention something on the show, and then I literally since uh, you know we record uh, on Sunday. Uh, and put out on Sunday that something will happen on Monday and I'll get a couple emails from kind listeners saying hey somebody's listening because sure enough right after we had our little discussion about Steven Spielberg and his continued angst for Netflix and everything um, there was some some feedback that came out I'm uh, quickly going to read just a little bit of a letter that we got from Beaker, who uh, was the uh, kind listener of the month for January and uh, was, a, was a good sport about my uh, little uh, trick uh, bit I did about uh, code that would get him something. So Beaker wrote in, and uh, this is a very well laid out email, so I'm just going <clears> to <throat> I'm gonna read it and then we can discuss. Um, so basically, uh, this is uh, from Beaker, subject line, from the morning brew. And he starts out with a little joke, which I had to read twice. Um, and they're not sweating because Cops was on. There's a battle royale brewing in the industry, and enemy number one is Netflix. Steven Spielberg's declaration uh, of war. The legendary director is reported looking to block Netflix and other streamers from including the Oscars. So we've talked about that. <clears throat> unless they give their films more traditional theatrical releases. Now remember... Uh, uh, Netflix Oscars contender Romas was only released in theaters for about three weeks before it went live on the streaming platform. Spielberg argued there's a difference between that and cinema. And then he says, uh, before we go, but when they go low, Netflix goes on Twitter. And this is from the Netflix Twitter feed, in which they responded to Spielberg and said, we love cinema. Here are some other things we also love. Access for people who can't always afford or live in towns without theaters. Letting everyone everywhere enjoy releases at the same time. And also giving filmmakers more, uh, more ways to share art. These things are not mutually exclusive. Uh, uh, Beaker continues in his email saying, if you zoom out, as NBC Daniels Arkin writes, in the eyes of many, quote, in the eyes of many, this is not some obscure bureaucratic squabble, but a high-stakes fight for the future of the medium, unquote. And then he writes, HBO piles on. Quote, Netflix doesn't have a brand, unquote. New Warner Media Entertainment head Bob Greenblatt told NBC's uh, Dylan Byers, quote, it's just a place where you go to get anything. It's like the Encyclopedia Britannica, unquote. Uh, and then uh, Beaker's last thought here, Netflix can reach as many people as it wants, 1.17.6 million last quarter, but HBO will always position themselves as a premium option. So thank you to Beaker for writing that and putting uh, that email together with a couple different mentions from a different uh, media sources. But I really like the way he put that together because, yeah, when Spielberg was kind of just complaining, they said, hey, man, what about people that don't have theaters or don't have the money to go to the movie theater? Yeah, there was a comment from Joe, Joe Berlinger, I believe is his name, who made the recent um, 
Ted Bundy documentary, the Ted Bundy tapes, as well as the film with Zach Efron called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. Now, that film was produced with help from Netflix, but they, of course, then purchased it to release it. And what he said was Spielberg has entirely forgotten the truth of how cinema works because he is the elite of the elite. Anything he wants to make gets made and he puts it out. He said, but there are those of us who are trying to accomplish things in this art that don't have those avenues. So what do we do? We turn to other distribution manners so that our art can be seen. So Netflix has quickly become the lo- the landing place for a number of small independent ventures. Yeah. In fact, you, you hear of them snatching up things from the film festivals. This is not the same Hollywood system that Spielberg got into, which was not the same Hollywood system that existed prior to him getting there. It changes. Things must change. I I, I mentioned last week, I, I, I love Spielberg probably in my top 10 of all artists that I follow. And I think he is a very amazing filmmaker. He is so out of touch here that I went along and I read some comments where he said, look, these things that are made for Netflix and for HBO and that they're very good, but they're TV films and they should get Emmys. So that got me to thinking, I thought, so what you're saying is this, this piece of, of, of production, I'm even going to call it that. I'm not going to call it art. This piece of production, which is shot in the exact same manner. Your films are shot using the same conviction conventions, the same crews, etc. but it's shown on TV the only place this person can see is on TV, and you say the only thing that deserves this award is cinema. So that got me to thinking, okay, well, by that measure, then a lot of the films that I've loved, I've only seen on TV. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they're TV movies. Right. And so I started thinking, huh, we went through the AFI Top 100, and I hope you'll indulge me real quick while I run. I'm going to run through the AFI Top 100. And I'm going to go and I'm going to quickly list the films that I've only seen on TV and I never saw in the theater, therefore not cinema by Mr. Spielberg's estimation. So the following films that are on the AFI Top 100 are TV movies. And those films would be Yankee Doodle Dandy, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Bringing Up Baby, The Searchers, The Apartment, A Place in the Sun, My Fair Lady, The Jazz Singer, Patton, Easy Rider, Frankenstein, Mutiny on the Bounty, Duck Soup, now I have to scroll a bit because I've actually seen these films. Uh, Modern Times, The Wild Bunch. And you know what? I'm not going to bore people. I'm touching these things. It's City Lights by Charlie Chaplin. I've never seen the cinema. So according right. to Steven Spielberg, it's a TV movie. Right. He's wrong. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely wrong. This has nothing to do with how it's shown because you cannot draw a line in sand and say this can only be awarded here and this can only get this. If that is the way that somebody eventually will consume it, it is still cinema. Now, I do think that there's a, there's a line of distinction. I think that CBS and Lifetime make movies that are fine. Just don't nominate them. They right. aren't nominated for Oscars. They don't deserve to get that. But these are achievements in filmmaking. The lines have blurred so greatly over the delivery methods that he is this archaic machine holding on to the past, afraid to let go. He's wrong. And I'm, I read things throughout the week that basically said a lot of other people are like, dude, you're kind of out of touch. Yeah, it's it's kind of putting an old um, principle and or like you said uh, viewpoint on something. I mean, what what is television? Well, okay, so television, you know, is a is a broadcast medium, right? Was is mm-hmm. it's kind of not anymore. That you have a box in your television or a box in your in your living room, excuse me, and you know you watch programming on it. Um, 
But over the years, this has really, really changed. And there are, there are those conversations that I've had with you and other people that, you know, I think the future of television is, is going to be a la carte. You know, no, gone are the days of, you know, I have 8,000 channels to watch. You know, now it's I really don't need these two-thirds of the, the, the channels I get. I just want these channels, and I just want to pay for these. I don't want to pay for the whole big thing. And then, you know. TVs went 16.9. TVs are getting very, very big. Uh, You can have a home theater, such as you do. So then then you look at something like Netflix. And and for me, a television or a made-for-television movie has one important thing. It has breaks edited in for commercials. Some of the some of the time some of the timing there has to be like, you know, and we'll be right back after this. Um, But you take Netflix. And it's no, it's and you know what? I love what you touched on there for a second. Really, really, really caught my attention. When you said they're using the same equipment, they're using the same equipment. They're using unions to do it. So they're not circumventing the system They're I'm sure they're paying all of their actors, uh, according to their unions and their writers to all their unions. They're not cheating anything in the system. They're not shooting it on an iPhone, you know, trying to to get around anything. This is Netflix going in and saying, no, we understand we're going to have to pay and and go through these particular steps to make this production happen. And so they've done it. And they've done some really good stuff. And I think that some people are just really like, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, what is this? What, what do you mean you have like eight shows that are all kicking ass? You know, and we have two and HBO has eight, you know, and so I think it's kind of a a a, a, a limited argument to say, well, well, but it wasn't shown on a theater screen. Well, what is that? You know, it's- that goes back to I, I recall one of the first things I ever did after getting out of film school is work mm-hmm. on a, a commercial shoot. And the director was trying to emulate the spaghetti westerns of old. And, you know, it was a very limited production. And. and I, I was probably a little cocky coming out of film school. Like I knew everything, but at the same time he wanted to evoke that, that look, but he had a limited budget and we had a, access to a, an additional camera. And you could, sometimes what you can do is you can do dual camera setups in film. Right. So you're, if you have two people talking, if you have one camera, you're going to shoot one person's then you're going to cut, you're going to flip, reset up, reset your lights, shoot the other angle. And what I said to him was, you know, it would really be smart. We have this other camera if we would do two two uh, dual camera sets while we're shooting this. And he dressed me down right there. Said, "Do you not understand the auteur theory?" Which, for anyone that's never heard that, that's the French idea that the the filmmaker is the author of the film. It's a singular vision with them through the camera, and the idea that it's one camera and one artist. Such BS. Mm-hmm. And he said, "The auteur theory is this." I'm like, dude. The tour theory is you're going to get your butt fired if you don't hurry up and get this thing done under this. Right. And that's when I really started solidifying on this idea that people have got to get away from these ideas of how and why you make it. Right. Because even if somebody does shoot it on an iPhone eventually, that's the art of it. Yeah. That will probably be the groundbreaking moment where people are like, oh, my God, the world already sees through these devices. And now we're using them to make our art. It is not whether you shoot on film or HD. It's not whether you use a certain camera, a certain lens or a type of sound equipment. It is about the idea of putting images together to tell its story, whether it be narrative or non. Right. It is not where it's shown. It's not how it's shown. It's that it is shown. Right. So I have a conspiracy theory to, to, to run past you and see if this okay. holds any water. Do you think that somebody is giving Steven Spielberg a bunch of money to have him make this fight? 
No, I I think that Spielberg really believes this, and I I hmm. I think that he's lost down that rabbit hole. I, I there might be other filmmakers, but really Spielberg doesn't need any money. You're right. You're right. I didn't even <laughs> being of one then <laughs> being from the point of view. What'd you say? The Conte, the Malvin of uh, of the eyes of someone that uh, that 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 needs money. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess he doesn't. He's kind of pretty good. Uh, now you've maybe I'm going to have to go to Celebrity Net Worth and search Steven Spielberg because I'm just kind of curious how I much bet that man's I worth. I bet it's hundreds of millions. But I, um, and for those kind of listeners, we want to thank you for sending in your emails. I know Pop sent one in and some other people did. And, and this is a good conversation to have. And we welcome uh, any additional thoughts you have on there. But, um, you know, it to me, I guess, uh, and I'm glad that Todd and I agree uh, on this point because, um, again, I think he's I think if I was a, if I was somebody that grew up just like Todd, you know, really just studying film and studying his work and wanting to create good things. Good things is kind of a, that's kind of a crappy um, way of describing it, but to create art and to create a film. And we all know that in the arts, songwriting, whatever, you have your idols. And then when you, you know, finally get in the right position to, to, to give or produce this type of event and, and throw it out there for everybody to see, hoping that maybe, um, someone like Spielberg would, would see Roma, uh, to have him turn around and say, well, because it wasn't released in theaters, what was limited release in theaters, it isn't a film. What a crushing blow because that's like, you know, cave, caveman paintings, you know, being on there and then somebody transferred it to canvas and like, well, it's not on a, it's not on a cave wall. So it's not art. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's, it's, it's. It's like you said, it's not necessarily the medium, it's it's the heart and work that goes into it, and there should be other rules that define what, what makes a film a film. And, I'll, you know, hey, I'll sell it to whatever organization manages that and just say, hey, if you have breaks for commercials, it's a TV movie. I think that's a, a beautiful way of looking at that. If, the, if it is structured, and it has to be structured so yes. that they know how many minutes each segment is, and the script is written accordingly. Those When you watch a Lifetime yeah. movie you know they make all those holiday movies those films are yeah. written if you read the scripts it's like scene break yeah. and it's that's where the, the commercial insertion occurs so i think that's a great idea and by the way he's worth 3.7 billion dollars so i'm pretty sure no one's going to pay him yeah. enough to do this this is all his ego that's driving this <laughs> some guy's shaking spielberg's hand with like a, a 200 200 <laughs> hey mr spielberg hey. we'd really like for you to stick up for us hey steve-o Maybe next time you're in front of the, ca- I don't know why I'm using a New York accent or a crappy New York accent. Next time you're in front of cameras, maybe you say something that's uh, not so good about Netflix. Here's here's a I, couple Benjamins for you. I also like that when you did that, you had to sort of take on the Marlon Brando. <laughs> he, he while I'm watching Jeff, his shoulders kind of go up and he, hey. he gets very soft. So what I'm saying is, hey, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's method acting. All right, for the kind listeners for listening, thanks again for your feedback, and we'll see what happens in the next chapter between the fight between uh, Netflix and streaming um, media and uh, Mr. Spielberg. Welcome. To the other kind radio edition of what we like to call Bunny Making Television Forecast. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that might be, it's just a fancy way of saying your spring 
television lineup. So don't let the fancy music fool you. We're just using different words to describe pretty much what every website right now has on it, which is your spring television forecast. So, welcome. Welcome, Todd. We'll uh, welcome Todd back. Not that he went far, but he's back. Um, so today, we Todd and I are going to walk through a couple of these shows that are coming up in the spring. We may have some discussion on some. We may drop some, but... Uh, we're going to dive right into it because we want you, the kind listener, to have an idea of what's going on. I can't tell you how many times I run into people and they're just like, what are you watching? And I'm like, oh yeah, what am I watching? And then I tell them uh, that I'm watching uh, Leaving Neverland and then they just kind of slowly walk away. So, are you ready, Todd? Are you ready to blast through these? Well, first off, I'd like to thank you for having me back on the show again. <laughs> um, yes, I am ready to go, Jeff. Back on the show. I like that. All right. So we are getting our uh, list from um, Metacritic.com, and they put a little list together, and we're just going to kind of walk through those. So thank you, Metacritic. Cricket. 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 Critique. Metacritic. Meta- Something like that. Metacritic. Whatever. All right. Here we go. So number one. This is coming to us from Netflix. It's a uh, the latest installment for Mr. Ricky Dreyas, a uh, very talented comedian. Uh, the show is called Afterlife. Todd, we'll just uh, we'll ping pong back and forth. I'll do one, and then you do one. Um, his show is on Netflix. It's called Afterlife, uh, and basically, um, it's a six episode dark comedy about a um, contented man who is shaken when his wife suddenly dies. He responds by turning off his internal sensor and punish the world by doing and saying anything he wants to do from now on, which kind of is what Ricky did when he hosted the Oscars anyway. Um, so maybe a real life mix into this. I am, uh, so we'll, we'll do a little description and then we'll do interested, not interested. I am very interested in this, uh, looking forward to it. I like anything that Ricky does. I think when he went back and kind of did the extra chapter to the office, um, I was a little disappointed by that. That tool was a little played out. Um, but his uh, other series that he did on HBO called Extras was pretty good. So I'm marking this as uh, interested for me. Todd? It's a definite for me. Ricky Gervais is truly one of the, the comedic actors that I adore. Uh, he had this show where he sent a friend off to travel the world and try things. And whatever, for whatever reason, I can't recall it, that alone I was like, it was one of the meanest things because he has this, this friend that was stupid is what he would say and he never tried hamburgers and he would send him off to try it it was one of the, the most brilliant comedic shows ever and i was like i will watch anything this guy does he did a great show called Derek, um, yes. where he was a man working in a, a nursing home i believe there's nothing that he will do that i won't at least sample to see what i think um you uh good good comment because yes that show that you mentioned mm-hmm. was um on i believe it's on hbo and it's called An Idiot Abroad. And yes. yes, go go check that out. You're right. That's a very good show. But doesn't necessarily star Ricky. Uh, he's just kind of the, the guy that has the money to send this guy to all these countries. So good, good call there. So you're interested? I am definitely interested. Okay. All right. What do we got next? So next is The Case Against Adnan Syed, which is an HBO series following the actual true life crime that occurred 
and became very famous in the podcast called Serial, where they actually began to look at the facts of the case and made a lot of people believe that this young man is innocent. They're, he's facing a new trial. They were able to get that going. So they're going to take this into a HBO series now where they dive into this as well. And from everything I read, it is by the same people. Uh, and they have they believe they have new facts to relay into this as well. Um, I thought the podcast was outstanding. Uh, I would I would find myself unable to wait to listen when that came out. So I can only imagine that this is going to be on that same level. And I'm, I'm extremely interested to see what they can do with this. Jeff. Almost HBO's answer to uh, the making of a murderer. Uh, I like you. Um, and this is an example of when um, I like uh, you too. Thank you. Uh, where ignorance is bliss because I didn't learn about serial until well after it had the podcast had concluded. So I got to binge listen to all of these episodes, which if I had to wait from week to week, I would have uh, <laughs> been climbing the walls. Uh, I'm going to mark this is very interested for me. I will definitely check this out again. Debuts on HBO on March 10th. So that's a big ding for us. Next up. Um, is uh, one that I had not heard about at all, but reading about it has made me very interested. Um, it is going to be on Netflix. Debuts March 5th, and it is uh, Netflix's first animated anthology series for adults. And it's noted here that, yeah, it's not safe for work. It comes from Tim Miller, who did Deadpool, and David Fincher, who did House of Cards. Um, each of this short 18 episodes, um, which is 18 is a lot, um, comes from a different, uh, member of the production team, which is great. I think, um, there are a couple shows that have done that, but at least if it's the same production team, it'll kind of have the same flavor. Love, death and robots season one. Yes. I'm interested. Todd. I, you know, I think I'd heard something somewhere about this, but I did not know that David Fincher was associated who is has quickly become a director that I can't look away from. So the minute you tell me David Fincher, yes. When you look at 18 episodes, but the collection spans 185 minutes. So each episode is around 10 minutes. Yeah. So we can crank the show quickly. I'm very interested in this. All right. So we're, we're batting a thousand, both you and I love death and robot season one coming out on Netflix, March 15th, which is close. So I'm, I'm excited about a couple of these uh, coming out. Um, next one. Let's see. That would be Shrill Season One, which debuts on March fifteenth on Hulu. I don't have the Netflix. I don't have the Hulu sounder. Sorry. Yeah. So I was waiting on the sounder, and that's the reason <laughs> for the kind listener. When I pause like that, it's not because I I don't know what to say next. It's that I'm expecting production behind me, so I can fail miserably and in, well, in the studio. Jeff. Yeah. Way to so go. this is a six episode series co-created and starring SNL's eighty Addy eighty eighty Bryant. Uh, basically. She plays an aspiring journalist in Portland. A lot of self-image type issues. Okay, I'm going to stop right there and just say I'm not interested in this one at all. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing, and it has nothing to do with you know the the awareness of 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 being happy with your body and your view. And, and I'm not trying to detract from anything. I think that's great. I think everybody that has everybody's made in different shapes. Everybody should find a way to to love what makes them up as far as the person they are, both internally and externally. And I could go on and on, but uh, yeah, this just for just for me, this is a hard. Just nope, I'm I'm good. I'll I'll catch up with it. Um, maybe once some reviews come out and, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. And, and, and to interject quickly, that's something I said to you when we were kind of looking over this in pre-pro was 
that feels like one of those if the reviews are just through the roof sure but i feel like this is another one of those where like okay i've seen this kind of stuff before i want something a little new i want something fresh so this doesn't feel that new to right. me right a good point all right we'll move on to the next one the act season one this debuts on hulu no sounder on march 20th um this uh, show uh, is going to follow uh which was an hbo documentary um, that came out uh, a couple years back, and it uh, basically tells the story of a toxic mother-in-law, uh, excuse me, mother-daughter relationship. Uh, this story it basically focuses around a mother who came up with and did a number of things to convince the daughter that she had a number of uh, medical uh, issues. And I don't want to give away the end because I don't know how far they're going to take. But basically, it centers around the kind of uh, mental and physical abuse that the daughter received just from thinking that she was sick all the time. And then the realization as the daughter gets older that maybe things aren't as the mother is saying. Uh, Just because I've seen it before and it was kind of difficult for me to see. uh, Just real quick, this is a pass for me. But uh, it does have, and Todd can get into it, it, does have some very good talent that's in it. Well, I, you know, that the, uh, the documentary you're talking about was a fascinating look at, uh, oh my God, uh, it's a Munchausen syndrome is what they call it, where a parent feels the need to harm their child to put them in a precarious situation so they can take care of their child. Right. What I'm already fascinated by that story, but what immediately when I saw that Patricia Arquette was in it, after what I've seen with her, what, you know, with her acting in uh, Escape at Dannemara, where I, where yeah. she even won the Emmy for that, I thought she was astonishing. And I think this is, while I think this is a great role for her, the one thing I thought was, eh, it's not that far away from what you did in Escape from Dannemara. Mm. So I mm. hope you aren't just repeating yourself. However, she was so good in that that it makes me immediately want to watch this. All right. Well, uh, you'll have to keep the kind listener and myself up to date once uh, you start watching The Act, Season 1, debuting on Hulu, March 20th. So, this is adapted from a cult movie from 2014 of the same name. And according to this article, it's highly anticipated new FX horror mockumentary, which finds a crew of film crew following an everyday life of vampires who share a home. I forgot to tell you that I have have FX's sounder. (laughs) Oh, thanks. You know, so hang on. Rewind. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sounder. Wait, you rewound for that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So anyway, basically a mockumentary following vampires about. I'm sure that that fans of this film from 2014 are ecstatic. I don't know this film, and I don't care about this series. And I don't know if you mentioned the name of it, but it's What We Do in the Shadows. I think you did. I think I was laughing or trying to play with the sounder too much. Season I th- one. I thought you actually said it when you tossed it to me. My I did, bad. I didn't. Uh, uh, debuts on FX Sounder on March 27th. Uh, this also, I think, for Todd and I, we're both. You are interested or not interested? Not so interested. that's a big from both of us there. We'll uh, we'll see. We'll see what kind of reviews it gets. Um I mean, there's a lot of new content, so we have to be a little uh, selective. Uh, the next uh, television coming up in the bunny, what did I say, the bunny-making season? Something um, like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, is a show called Abby's. Uh, it's uh, going to be season one. It debuts March 28th on NBC. 
Um, basically, it's got some producers from uh, Parks and Recreation as well as The Good Place um, that are basically uh, starting this new sitcom that is set inside a bar. Um, it's in, it's based out of San Diego, not Boston, but there are some uh, comparisons being made between this show and uh, You Want to Go Where Everybody Wants to Know Your Name or Knows Your Name. Cheers! Um, just in reading the little the little blurb there for me on this, this is going to be a pass as far as uh, for me. However, Todd, I'm thinking I at least watch an episode for a couple of reasons. The association with the Good Place, which I think is that rarity of network comedies that works, and the fact that it's called Abby's. I can only imagine no. my child named Abby goes, hey, I want to watch this show. So I imagine I'll check it out. I don't usually stick with shows like this. It's going to have to be on that level of the good place for me to stick with it. But I'll, I'll at least watch an episode. Now, for the kind listener that's out there, they're saying, hey, you're giving us the title and when it launches and on what platform, but you're not telling us who's acting it or necessarily directing it. That's kind of done uh, on purpose in the interest of time. If as long as you have the uh, as long as you have the title, you can jump on out to IMDb and kind of get the goods on everything else. If it's somebody spectacular like he mentioned on the other one, that's uh, Patricia Arquette acting, we'll throw it in there. But we're doing that on purpose, not because we just don't know what we're doing. Therein lies a conundrum. All right, we'll move on to the next one. Um, this is going to be on Pri- Amazon Prime. You have a sounder. And it's going to come out March 29th. It's called Hannah, Season 1. It's about a young girl who was raised as an assassin in the woods. The series reunites the stars the killing. uh, Was that Muriel Enros and Joel Kinnaman? Well, newcomer Esme Creed Miles stars in the uh, role originated by, oh, Lord, names. uh, Cersei Ronan. Thank you. Cersei Ronan in the film. Uh, David Farr, who wrote for the film version of Hannah, uh, as well as the night manager, returns to write the series. Uh, I'll go ahead and give this a ding. Is it uh, you had me at uh, Assassin in in the Woods? So I'm pretty sure that I got fired from reading because this was my turn to read. But for the kind listener, Jeff took it. And I'll just say that. Oh, did I? Yeah, you you skipped me. Thanks, brother. Damn it. I'm I'm just kidding. the minute that I heard this was being adapted into a TV show, I was ecstatic because I loved this film. This is a film by the guy. You want to talk about a diverse career. I just got to say this for him. He he directed The Darkest Hour with Gary Elman, where he won for playing Churchill. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's also done Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, Anna Karenina. This guy directs all kinds of stuff. And then he makes this film about this girl being trained to be an assassin. And I remember watching it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's a great film. This has great potential for a series. Cannot wait to see this. So we'll give that a ding. I'll exercise what I should have done and keep my mouth shut as you go into our next show. Wait, do I get to go again? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just teasing. It's Barry Season 2, which debuts March 31st on HBO. Played it. It's just low for you. Oh, okay. Well, that's, you know, I'm sitting here queuing Jeff to play it. So that's great production right there. This is Bill Hader's very dark HBO comedy about a hitman who attempts to reinvent himself as an actor. I still have not watched it. I know Jeff mm. has told me that it's a great show. I've got to find some time to watch it. So here's what I'm going to do. If this debuts March 31st, I've got roughly three weeks. It's, it's a short first season, right? Yes. 
then I'm going to jump in. I'm going to catch up. I, I, I will tell you that my daughter and I are watching the last two episodes of Game of Thrones today to get her caught up before that season launches. So this is my next series. I, I will be in on this because you gave it good marks. Uh, I'm interested as well, uh, but uh, because Todd is going to just kind of slide in there and catch up. He uh, will let us know what he thinks of season one. I'm interested in season two. I just want to see if they can maintain it. Barry was so different and such a different perspective. Um, I'm wondering if they'll be able to maintain the integrity of the show and not jump the shark. So this gets a ding, but it's a cautious ding, uh, which is another great name for a band. If you're going to start a band, cautious ding, you can have it. Um, Not dingling. That's different. And we'll move on. And because I went twice in a row, let me uh, be kind enough to throw it back to my co-host as he's going to tell us about the next show. And I've got to look to see how I name this segment just to throw it back. Try to have a little bit of uh, journalism. You're listening to The Other Kind Radio 2019 Bunny Making Television Forecast, which is another way of saying spring television lineup. And now for the next show, let's throw it to Todd. So next up is the seventh season of an HBO series that has won many accolades coming on March 31st. That would be Veep, and this is its final season on HBO. Have you watched any of the other seasons? No, because for whatever reason, I I respect Julie Louis-Dreyfus, especially after what she's recently gone through battling breast cancer. I I don't like watching her. She kind of, for whatever reason, you know, we all have those people you watch and kind of like, oh, yeah. You just rubbed me the wrong way. So, no, I've never watched it, even though I love, uh, I think Tony Hale is his name, who was on Arrested Development. Mm -hmm. Love him. So I might should give it a chance, but I probably won't. It's uh, yeah, it's I mean, with season seven, it would have to take a serious drought of of other good content for for me to really recommend you get into this. I have I've watched it. I think it's witty writing. Um, It's definitely within her wheelhouse of comedy, not to say that's limited at all, but it's what you would expect from her. Um, very funny, very well written, very snappy, and of course, yes, uh, you know, with the recent uh, uh, cancer and everything surviving, um, think it's nice she's coming back for another season. And of course, this will be the last one, so I give this uh, a ding, and I will check it out. I hear uh, one of the dogs in the background. He must be uh, s talking the uh, beagle. Yeah, that's the one that I said will just completely throw it down. So sorry about that. No, 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 no worries. See, I'm, see they just it's it's a little bit behind the scenes here on the other kind of radio. And because I'm such a good friend, I will let you because I know you're super excited about this. Talk about the next show that's going to be on CBS of all places. What what do we got going on there? Now CBS All Access, so that is their streaming service, which at least kind of says it's a little bit better quality than just a normal CBS show. So this is the relaunch of The Twilight Zone coming on April 1st. This is the third revival of Rod Serling anthology, which at the time was groundbreaking. We all know it. But what really excites me is that this is by Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out and the upcoming Us, which is receiving amazing notices from its festival openings. He's going to retell a lot of the original series he's actually oh. going to take those and do modern updates of them as well as introduce some new stories in there as well but i think that's kind of the brilliant thing let's take the ones that were so great let's twist them a little bit on their own selves so that it tells a modern story and then introduce some new things you're looking at people that are going to be on the show seth Ro- rogan um as i look through this i'm trying to greg Kinnear is going to do it so there are names that you're definitely going to see and you're going to know uh, and they're going to be in these, they're going to famously tackle the episode that William Shatner was in the original series. John Lithgow did in the movie relaunch. 
where you're on an airplane and you believe that there's a gremlin outside tearing the airplane apart. So I can't wait. I I may have to pull the trigger and buy CBS All Access so I can watch this. Well, you know, and it's funny because your uh, co-host here was looking at that, and this this kind of angers me. Uh, anger is a strong word. This bothers me that this is only going to be available in their All Access. So basically, they're doing kind of a Hulu thing where you can ac- have access to the plethora of CBS pro- programming. Oh boy! And with commercial, it's it's five ninety nine per month. Um, you can get it without commercial for $10 a month, or you can buy a year's worth at $99. So this is entering another area where I think we're having some copycats going on. And they're like, oh, well, if Netflix is doing it, then we'll have create our own CBS streaming platform and charge them 5 bucks a month as well. But the good news here, again, to contradict myself, is it's not a contract, so you can wait for those episodes to come out, load it up, binge watch, binge watch it, and I guess for five ninety nine, that's well worth it. It, that's exactly it, Jeff. You know, when you look at this and then Disney's going to launch a, yeah. a, a, a service like this where they're going to have a Star Wars TV show, you're you're going to have everybody doing this. And what you're going to have is everybody jumping on and watching one series and canceling one series and canceling. Yeah. Which I guess in, in retrospect, as far as a business model, at least you're getting some some uptake on it. Uh, our next show is available uh, April 5th on Netflix. It's called Our Planet. Um, I think this has been uh, some other um, uh, episodes or versions of this has been done. It's basically HD video of nature and stuff going around. Um, I didn't, uh, I, you know, for me, this is this is going to be a pass. Uh, I'd have, to, I'd really have to be kind of. I know it's beautiful cinematography and shots and HD and everything, but th- those shows are great. If I can't sleep, I fall asleep immediately. Um, but for nature lovers and other people, might might be worth checking out. What about you, Todd? Yeah, it's funny you put it that way, Jeff, because these these shows are palate cleansers for me every time. Where ah. I've watched, I've, let's say I watched two or three really dark movies and a dark TV show, and I'm like, I just need something to kind of not think about. I'll go, oh look, Netflix has this. And I'll put it on. I'll watch half of one and I'll turn it off. Or if I like you, if I yeah. want to show somebody nice HD footage, I'll get it. It's nothing I would ever watch. Okay. So we'll give you a buzz on that as well and move on to our next show, which did you end up seeing this, all of this show? Okay. You did. Yes, okay. Did. So here's Todd with uh, what's coming up next. So next April 7th on BBC American AMC, we have killing Eve season two. Uh, I believe that we touched on this in, in past episodes, but this is really to boil it down. It's a it's a cat and mouse of one woman tracking down an assassin, a, a very ruthless assassin, and the relationship that occurs between the two women. That's very essential to what this is, and it's yeah. almost a surprising element of this. I I did not expect to be wowed by that show, but by the final episode of that first season, I was like, okay. I'm in. This yeah. is, this surprised me. Yeah. So I, I'm very excited to see this. I think this is going to be a double for both of us. Uh, I'm interested to see where they're going to go in season two. I will throw caution and tap the brakes a little bit. I'll be interested in how they progress and do because part of the enjoyment of the last episode was the play between those two characters and them narrowly missing meeting each other or being in the same place at the same time until it happened. Um, so they're going to have to be, uh, in my mind, they're going to have to be kind of creative and see how they can keep this fresh and new for season two. Moving along, um, this is this is one um, uh, that I'll leave to you, Todd, because you're a little more versed in it than myself. Um, and I've got a uh, opinion to share, but uh, go ahead. 
So this comes April 9th on FX. And this is Ryan Murphy. Actually, you know what? It's not Ryan Murphy. I, I, I apologize for that. The He left this series. That's right, because he got a contract with Netflix. I entirely forgot. He pulled out. But this is remnants of what he did when he's over on FX doing things like the assassination of Johnny Versace, OJ Simpson, People versus OJ Simpson. This is Fosse and Verdon. So this is the, the story of the love between Bob Fosse and, and oh my God, why can't I remember her name? I, I can't remember her first name now. Gwen Vernon. That's right. It took me a minute. Um, that is a longstanding love story between two people that were hugely influential on Broadway. What I love is I'm a Bob Fosse fan from him as a director. Uh, he directed films like Cabaret all that jazz Lenny he he really and the thing was is he was a choreographer and he was a Broadway person but when he went to make cinema he made it in a very unique way if you ever watch Cabaret Cabaret is not what you expect it, mm -hmm. it literally is kind of playing with the conventions of film and, and doing that so I can't wait to see this I can't wait I love the actors you've got um, Michelle Williams as Gwen Vernon and you've got oh my god I'm choking death Sam Rockwell as Fosse two great oh. actors I can't wait to see this. So going into this description, great, great job on that. I was, I was pretty, pretty much not interested. We'll go ahead and give you your interest. Um, I'm not interested. I'm still a little mad at FX uh, about their last uh, series that got a lot of acclaim, and then I watched and and just really was put off by it. It was the Viani uh, 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 or whatever for assassination Gianni Versace. Gianni Versace. I was going to switch to the first and last letters of his first and last name. I thought that series was was not good. I did not enjoy it. Um, a lot of what I got hung up on was that it's supposed to be the perspective from the killer, which is all, you know, not necessarily substantiated because the killer ends up, you know, shooting himself at the end of it. So all of these stories and little adventures he went on, I think uh, they took some um, some uh, leeway with in, in what their storytelling is. So I, I'm a little I'm a little gun shy of FX because of that. However, in the pre-production meeting, Todd uh, let me know that he was a big fan of that uh, particular series and uh, is even more excited about this one coming out. Uh, interested to hear your thoughts. And I know this isn't all about uh, shows that have been in the past, but you liked that assassination of Giannis uh, Versace. I, th I think for the very reason you didn't like it, I loved it. I thought what was brilliant about it was that if you really look at the framing conventions of how they told his vignettes with other people they were told from the perspectives of those other people who could recant what oh this is how he was with me and how many times do we hear that about a killer oh he was just a normal guy but he did this and this and i thought that's what this show attempted to do was to say here's who he was from these people's perspective but you begin to see how the influences of this person of that person built this person i thought it was a pretty brilliant tv show and i thought that darren chris's performance was astonishingly good I, so I can't wait to see what they do with this. I am a little disappointed to hear that Ryan Murphy is not associated anymore. But Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame yeah. is associated. That dude does not put out garbage. So in the continu continuing education of Jeff, uh, because these aren't the same people putting in the same show, and I know Fosse is such a big name when it comes to uh, just choreography and, and film, I will go ahead and uh, be interested in this. I, it'll be interesting to see how it comes out and uh, figure out how um, how, how FX uh, handles it. So I do it love out. when I can sway you. Yes, April 9th on FX, Fosse Verdon. 
Continuing on, we'll go to Game of Thrones Season 8. There's almost nothing we really can say about this. Um, I, I mean, it's 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 the the show that's coming out. Everybody's excited about it. They just released the, the trailer for season uh, the last season this past week. There's It's already been dissected and, and all kinds of predictions made. Um, under under the uh, instruction of Todd, I did go back and watch the into all seven seasons leading up to Season 8. Um, and I agree that it's uh, post uh, Citizen Kane, much better um, appreciation for the uh, storytelling, the cinematography, and the character development. However, the first time I watched it, I had to wait week to week. And being able to watch the episodes and binge watch, I think for me, helped develop the story a little bit longer. Um, I think sometimes when you have to go week to week, you are so uh, and you anticipate the episode so much when some of the questions that you have uh, in your brain as far as what's going to happen don't get answered. I think that sometimes acts as a negative. Uh, but with all that being said, Game of Thrones season eight is coming on on April fourteenth on HBO. I'll be glued to it. I haven't decided if I'm just going to ignore and then binge or what, but I'll be watching. So I think that your your point of having to wait week to week as opposed to binging is it's pretty well taken I, and especially a show that is this dense as i said i've just watched the entire show we're down to the final two to be caught up with i've watched it with my daughter mm-hmm. um i've i've noticed some some things about it that made me appreciate it more like wow this is so beautifully yeah. constructed you start thinking even to the books how did george R. R. martin start and get this massive idea this is that is huge storytelling yeah but then for one one moment finally when i'm watching this i began to see some of the criticisms where people like hang on so danny decides that she wants to attack the troops and they're half a continent away and 10 minutes later she's half a continent away but it's taken three episodes for her to get half an ocean away (laughs) so there is some of that but at the same time it's a fantasy hang on you believe that dragons can fly you believe you got all these people doing all this stuff but suddenly they can't cross large spaces of time for the the sake of economy of telling of storytelling it's a massively beautifully done show i cannot wait to see this and I, i to your point i don't think i can wait to binge it it's killing me to see this now yeah i have enjoyed watching this so much with my child that I can't wait to share that experience of week to week. Let's talk about it. So I, I am so geeked for the show right now. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I haven't decided yet, um, but I'm, I'm sure I'll probably give in and watch it week to week. So that's on HBO and moving on to the next one. We'll, uh, this is Todd's turn. So we're talking about uh, another classic being redone. So this is the April 14th debut of Les Miserables on PBS. This is very much a about as literal an interpretation as you're going to get. This is not the musical. This is truly uh, stepping in and telling the story of Jean Valjean from Victor Hugo's classic novel and trying to touch on every part of it. Um, this comes from Andrew Davies, who's done a lot of things. He, the original House of Cards that the one we know was based on, Bleak House, etc. Really good pedigree. And also, according to this, received excellent reviews in the UK when it aired earlier this year. It is such a beautiful novel that I I want to see an adaptation done faithfully. And I I have a lot of faith that that's going to occur. Plus, Dominic West, who was in um, HBO's cop series. Oh, my God. The one that was set in Baltimore, The Wire. And he's a great actor. He was also in The Affair. A lot of good people. I really can't wait to see this. 
Um, okay. All right. That's good. I, with everything else out there, this will probably be when I get the flu in 2020, <laughs> then I'll probably dive into it as I've been watching everything else. Seriously, they're not taking anything away from the people that are working hard on it. Um, it, it, it would be something I'm sure my mother will, will, will dive into it uh, fairly quickly. But uh, for me right now, it's going to be a hard pass. Uh, we're closing in here on the final ones. The next one, The Red Line, Season 1, uh, debuts April 20th on CBS. Um, serialized drama of a pair of TV top producers. Uh, the Red Line it tells a fictional story about all-too-timely story about a radically motivated shooting uh, of a police officer it's set in Chicago. Uh, it features ER's Noah Wiley. And, you know, to me, again, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just quickly give it a pass. <laughs> Um, I'm sure it'll be good. Noah Wiley's good. This, this to me, just, you know, this is what I don't watch, which is primetime television on just the regular, you know, networks. Todd? This has top TV producers of Greg Berlante and Ava DuVernay associated, and I couldn't be any less interested. The minute that it was on CBS with Noah Wiley, I thought, eh, I'm, I'm going to pass. Copy that. All right. Uh, on to the next one, Todd. So this is... Wu-Tang Clan of Mikes and Men. Not Mikes, Mice, but Mikes. Debuts May 10th on Showtime. Waiting to see if we have a Showtime sound. I didn't hear it. I played it underneath you. Okay, it didn't come in my mix. Basically, a four-part documentary series that tells the story of the seminal hip-hop outfit beginning with their front men in the early 1990s and combining never-before-seen footage. Pass. Okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Wu Tang, definitely a, a big player when it comes to the music industry. And, uh, you know, I, Showtime, I'm sure. I, this to me feels kind of like an answer to the one that was on uh, HBO about uh, Dr. Dre and the other guy that, you know, helped make beats and it was a big sale to audio. So uh, I'm sure it'll be good. But yes, I'm with you right there. Uh, I'll pass on that for now. If a kind listener does watch it and has some feedback, then please let us know. We'd like to do uh, Absolutely. And, and, and real quick, I have to relay a super funny, quick story. Sure. Wu-Tang Clan. I, I go to South by Southwest often. I got in passes to see Prince, who did a show. Wu-Tang opened for them. Not a big fan. Didn't really care. This is also the time that I've herniated my back. So I'm standing there with my arms around my chest, yep. just trying to keep from crumbling over in pain. And all of a sudden, as I'm standing there and I'm 10 feet from the stage, the crowd parts and I look up and it's one of the Wu-Tang guys with his arms making fun of me <laughs> like I'm somehow this stoic white guy who won't get into his music. And I just sort of gave him a head nod. Hey, you know, and he walked on shaking his head like I was a jerk. But I was uh, like, dude, you don't understand. I'm about to fall over in pain. So, you know, this is my screw him. I'm not going to watch it since he made fun of me. In front of me. <laughs> okay. Wow going to see Prince get made fun of by Wu-Tang Clan. I got to add that to your list of uh, deliverables there as well. Uh, I know you and I are both excited about this next show. Um, oh, I guess it's my turn, but you know what? Uh, you you take this one away too. All right. This is Catch-22, which debuts May 17th on Hulu. No sounder. No sounder. <laughs> George Clooney directs this. Uh, his adaptation of the Joseph Heller, Heller classic World War II novel about... This is it's one of those that's not super easy to tell you what it's about. Mike Nichols directed a 1970s feature film version of this, a, a set of pilots and the difficulties that they basically have to go through during that time. I love the novel so much that my nickname on Xbox is the name of this book. It's Catch-22. Mm. 
So I'm very, you know, you, you got somebody of George Clooney's pedigree. He's not always perfect as a director, but when he is on, he's very good. I, I, I definitely will be watching this. I'm very interested as well. We'll both give that a ding. Um, I, you know, the fact that it's it's uh, based uh, on a novel uh, by Joseph Heller, and and actually that's a where Catch Twenty Two phrase comes from because in that in that book, the main character uh, feigns madness in order to avoid dangerous combat missions, uh, but his desire to avoid them is taken to prove his sanity. So, um, it's rocking a hard place, all that good stuff. I'll be very interested to see that, and of course George Clooney. Um, he, I think he's got some some skins on the wall, so to speak. That's uh, I don't know if that's PC incorrect or that may be politically incorrect. Anyway, he's been around. Oh boy, now I'm saying things wrong. Anyway, he's direct, he's directed before, and I like his work. Therefore, I will watch it. That's all I had to say. Why did I have to say the other thing? All right, let's. Uh, uh, this next show kind of uh, may describe how some of you feel after I said that. Todd, please go ahead. <clears throat> So this is Fleabag season two. It's about two dogs that have to go to the vet. <laughs> Debuts May seventeenth on Amazon. I I really don't. I've I've heard of it. I don't know much about it. It stars Phoebe Waller Bridge, who for you geeks out there, she was uh, the person who was L three, uh, who was Lando Calrissian's droid in Solo: A Star Wars Story. So you at least know her from that aspect. Wow. Um. The series got a lot of great reviews. I know that. I don't know much about it. I'm trying to... Let's see. Um, it's adapted from her own one-woman play uh, into six sublime episodes and was ultimately a deep-moving drama disguised in the form of a raunchy black comedy. So I'm, it sounds kind of like my kind of thing, but I'm probably going to pass unless I just hear a lot of people saying it's not going to mount. I'll give it a... On season two, but a... Maybe I'll go check out season one. Because I'm pretty sure you don't want to start. Fleabag, that's not about dogs. Um, Amazon. All right. And I think, was that it? That's it. Boy, that what a dramatic. <laughs> Fleabag. What a dramatic uh, end that was. Okay. Um, well, cool. There you have it. There you have the 2019. I don't know why I put the year in front of everything. Um, uh, Bunny making television forecast from the other kind radio. So glad uh, to join us uh, for that or glad you joined us. I'm now not able to talk. Um, Todd, out of any of those, anything, what's your first go to? Well, uh, beyond Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. I'm sorry, are there other TV shows coming on this year? I think that's really the only one. Right. Same for me as far as Game of Thrones. Uh, well, thank you for your time and going through that. Once again, we have managed to uh, make about an hour and 17-minute podcast out of that topic. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I'll throw it over to Todd before we take off and uh, see if he has any final words of wisdom for the kind listeners. They wait for the next episode to come out in a week. I would love to see all of you do the following. I want you to go watch the great TV movies of all time. And you can find those on the list of AFI Top 100. And let Mr. Spielberg know how much you enjoy fine TV movies. And if you see a good film or have comments or questions about this episode, please feel free to email us. It's Jeff at TheOtherKindRadio.com, Todd at TheOtherKindRadio.com, or info at TheOtherKindRadio.com. You can find Todd uh, on Twitter by looking up his handle, which is the other at Todd Hartzell. Radio. Or you can find me, which is uh, Talk Radio Host, T-O-K-R-A-D-O Host, Jeff, J-E-F-F, on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on most of your streaming podcast services. 
the other kind thank you for joining us we'll see you next week we are the other kind radio the other kind radio